Murdering Michael Malloy is an original screenplay based on a notorious true crime case that happened in the Bronx, New York in the early 1930s. It involved a man named Anthony Marino, the owner of a bar that faced constant financial problems, a group of Marino's cohorts, and an aging neighborhood drunk named Michael Malloy. Despite his indigence and alcoholism, Malloy was a gifted yarn spinner, always able to catch a free drink out of a patron in return for an amusing and often philosophical tale. In the previous episode, we learned that Anthony Marino faced bankruptcy and floor closure on his bar and building in the Bronx. Proud of being his own man, he refused the offer of the neighborhood kingpin, Tiny Bastone, to buy him out and become a mere employee of his own bar. A year earlier, facing similar financial problems, Marino had taken an insurance policy out on a woman who was his fiancée and cashed it in after he and his gang murdered her and made it look like an accident. Now, Marino sees the opportunity to repeat the scam with a new victim in sight. All I said was we start up a pool. I didn't say nothing about insuring the mick. I say once was enough, more than enough, as a matter of fact. Twice is pushing the fates. What fates? Some freeloading drunk who's going to turn up his toes any minute now? He drops dead tomorrow, nobody gets nothing from his life. This way we're making his life worth something. What, 50 bones apiece? Last time you said we divvy things even. Last time there was problems. Last time we only had one policy. And so, on a snowy January morning, Frank Pasqua and Joe Murphy visited the offices of the Guilford Insurance Company. You say he's your employee? Yes, sir. A long-time employee. He's in good health? Excellent health. The picture of health. And why do you want the insurance? Followed by a visit to Bronx Life Insurance. Well, he might keel over. I I'm not saying he will, but if he did, I'd feel terrible if something happened and his sick mother and idiot brother weren't taken care of. And that idiot brother is you? Oh, uh, yeah. I'm afraid I didn't get your name. Joe. Joe Malloy, I think. And with that, Joe Murphy carefully signed his name and became Joe Malloy, the beneficiary of his dear brother, Michael Malloy. Meanwhile, it was lunch hour at Tiny Bastones, and a familiar neighborhood gentleman was just beginning his day's work. Some love too little, some too long, some sell and others buy. Some do the deed with many tears and some without a sigh. For each man kills the thing he loves, yet each man does not die. Well, it's not a cheerful tune, is it? But well worth the price of whiskey, just a, a wee one, perhaps. Well, of course. Uh, what'd you say your name was? Malloy. Michael Malloy of County Donegal. Very entertaining chap. I, uh, I wish you the best of luck in a difficult time. Let me shake your hand. Why, what's this? A $10 bill? No, sir, I couldn't take it. Although in hard times such as these, men like myself have trouble finding an honest day's pay. Glad to help out a fellow with some talent. Why not? I got no beef. Indeed. You seem to be doing well for yourself. May I ask your line of work? I'm the uh, new district attorney for the Bronx. My name's Sam Foley. Oh, yeah, now. Perhaps you might know the fate of the liquor industry, then. Yeah, well, wouldn't we all like to know the fate of the liquor industry? May I ask you to participate in a little ritual? I take this gold piece that I've carried with me for many years, through many different lives. Let me press it into your palm and offer a prayer. What makes that gold piece so lucky? It's the only prize I ever won in my misbegotten life. It's a sign of what I might have been. It looks over me with pity and grace, 
Turn it over and read it. Uh, first prize, Michael Malloy, storytelling, Donegal County Fair, 1903. <laughs> it calls for another one on me. Tommy, another ride for Mr. Malloy here. Uh, double, if I may. Good work, fellas. You did exactly what I told you to do. Thanks, Tony. All the paperwork's in place. Policies worth a grand total of 3,567 bucks. And I created a fake ID for Malloy. What for? I figure when the time comes for them to discover the body, we don't want to take the chance that he ain't got one and winds up on Welfare Island. And then where will we be? You're smart, Frank. Hey, Tony, we got a customer. Tell him we're closed. We're closed. He said we're closed. Beat it. I come here to the session. Like I said, I Michael Malloy. Oh, he's precious these debts. Malloy? It's him, Tony. What do we do? We serve the son of a bitch. Ah, there we are. Mr. Amino, a cold and snowy good evening to you, lad. One hour and two bottles later. Can I pour you one more, Malloy? Just a wee one to sleep by. I ever tell you the value of a ten spot. Why, look at it. Where'd you get a ten spot anyway? Was well paid for my talents, that's all. What talents? Why, people work three jobs to make that kind of dough. I... For those that works for such wages, my heart goes out to them. Another, please? Sure. You ever pay your way in the world, Malloy? Ever make good on your word? Aye. To my old daddy, on his deathbed, he says, Michael, it's the only one way to live an honest life. Every night before you go to bed, you must promise yourself a shot of whiskey first thing in the morning. That way... You'll be an honest man, come break a day. <laughs> uh, uh, tell me, where am I? You want another? There he goes. Jesus, is he breathing? Who cares? Get the cab before he comes to. I don't know, Tony. Ink ain't even drying the insurance forms. Don't question an act of our Lord. Now hurry, beat it. Where are we headed? The park on 167th Street. Frank, you got that idea you made up? Yeah, give me his wallet. This what you mean, Tony? Yeah, help me get him out of here. I, I got his legs. You got his arms? No, drag him through the snow. Really? Really? About here? Good. And Frank, make sure his ID's in his pants pocket. Yep, got it. Is that all? No, take off his shoes and socks. And his jacket and his shirt. Jesus, Tony, you'll be dead out here in the snow before we get back to the car. Uh-huh. All right. Guess that's it. He's turning blue already. Well, what do we do? What do we do now, Tony? Practice crying. On the following day, the twenty-first amendment passed, marking an end to the prohibition on the sale of alcohol in the United States, as if in tribute to the end of Michael Malloy. Jesus, Joe, how long until after somebody dies till they print the old bit? Christ, you think all these people care about the goddamn twenty-first amendment? The hell cares about a law being repealed that nobody paid attention to from the start? How you, Sugar Lips? What do you want? I'm paying you a social. I'm making like a neighbor. So, who died? What do you mean, who died? Well, you got seven newspapers all open to the obituaries. I gotta figure you're looking for somebody special. Lest this is just your idea of keeping up with current events. So maybe it is. What's your beef? Fall out of the wrong side of the bed, Sugar Lips? Stop calling me that. I know what you want. Paston wants his money, don't he? Of course. But he's also wondering how your bar stock is looking. 
Tani just thought that in lieu of the fact the bootleg rackets are going bye-bye, he'd offer to put in a word for you with the legit distributors. If you're staying in business, that is. Of course I'm staying in business, and I don't need Bastone's help either. You find his obit, Tony? Oh, I didn't know you had company. So whose obit are you looking for? Michael Malloy. He used to come in here a lot. Shut up, Joe. Look, Maglione, why don't you kiss off? Can't you see we're busy? Sure. With an interesting new business idea, if I know anything, just remember Tiny's offer. All the stock you need, and you get to run the place. Just let him have the paper. Gee, that's awful nice of Mr. Pastone, huh, Tony? Seeing as how we only got enough stock to last maybe the week. Gee, that's awful nice, huh, Tony? What do you think, I can't fix things for myself? You think Bastone's lousy offer comes for free? I'm my own boss. Tony Reno don't answer to nobody. End of the day, I go to the cash register and I pay myself an honest goddamn wage. It's, uh, empty, Tony. Well, it won't be for much longer. Once they find that dewy-eyed Mick in the park and I make his ID, we'll be back in business. And this time, I'm staying ahead of the creditors. I'll get it. And I'll tell you something else. The day will come when I'll be the tiny bustone of this neighborhood. Welcome to Tony Marino's. You're the... Ah, Mr. Marino. Holy Jesus. Well, good morning to you. If it's not too much to ask, might you indulge me in a wee bit of whiskey? I've got a terrible headache, you see. And I'm afraid I might have caught a small cold in the chill last night. Uh, how are you, Molloy? Uh, quite refreshed, thanks. I seem to recall being here at some point last evening, but the details of the time in between then and now are frankly a bit of a haze. Uh, may I avail myself? Pour uh, one, Joe. Ah, much better. Uh, I've got a terrible throbbing in the cranial region. You done drank two bottles of whiskey without any of uh, our helps. Did I now? Yeah. You must have been serving me the good stuff for my head to have reacted so violently. Why, you danced the jig right off the bar stool onto your head, Molloy. Ah, that would seem to explain the stiff neck, I suppose. But I had a most peaceful sleep last night under the stars. It was most invigorating. Out in the snow? And I lost most of my clothes as well. I found this jacket in the trash bin nearby. Joe drinks around the house today. For Mr. Molloy, that is... What's the occasion? Why, it's Joe Kennedy's birthday. Harry, come upstairs with me for a minute. Think he's wise? Wise to what? You heard him. He don't remember a thing other than being in here at some point. Who's that? Let me see. It's Frank. Skip it. We got a guest. And so it was that my lucky gold piece saved the day and provided the answer to the missing shipment of Irish whiskey that it panicked the village of Donegal. Say, how come we never get a look at that gold piece of yours anyhow? Uh, you see, Joseph, if I were to show it to everyone who asked after it, its magic would dissipate. Why, Michael Collins himself asked to see it, and I turned him down flat. Michael Collins? He work around here? Hey, Joe, you left the door unlocked and I... Jesus! It's him! What a pleasant way to be greeted. Good afternoon to you, Francis. Hi, uh, that is, I mean, Joe, uh, where, where's Tony? I got, I got to speak with him. Upstairs with Harry. Tony, what the hell happened? He had a most refreshing night under the stars. Can you beat the odds on that? Stone cold drunk in the snow. Shh, pipe down. Okay, so it didn't take. Another night like that in the cold and... Hey, Frank, 
What are those papers you're holding? That's what I come to tell you. They're from the insurance policies. I was reading the forms, and it turns out you owe them more money than we paid them. How's that possible? Well, what we gave them was a deposit, a sort of good faith thing, you know? The premium's got to be paid every week, or else the policies ain't no good. How much they want? Three bucks a week on the little ones, but the double demnity's more. A ten spot. That's, uh, 16 a week, which makes 84 bucks to make them good. I stayed up all night figuring. Christ, God damn it. Look at it this way, Tony. It's a good thing he didn't croak last night. Otherwise, we would have... God damn it to hell. Anthony Marino's next stop was predictable enough. He went to Tiny Bastone's saloon with the insurance papers for one of the policies. Nice, Tony. You got yourself a formula that works, and you stick with it. You're learning. 800's the payout, right? That's right. And when you expecting this rummy to kick? Momentarily. Tell you what, I'll give you 200 advance, usual rates. Only if he don't die, or if he does, and you don't collect for some reason, the rates double. And Tony, I don't want no front page news. Since when's a rummy keeling over made the front page? Ah, perhaps we each should have one more. I don't know. Tony will be upset. Aye, if only he wasn't such a bitter man. Tony ain't a bad sort. He just gets a little sore now and then. Of course he's not a bad sort, right? Wager there's more good in the boy than evil. The problem is, you can't win a race with the devil. The devil can wait. Men like Mr. Marino can't. Tony just wants what's coming to him. That's all. We all get what's coming to us, each in our own way, in our own time. On we travel, year in and year out, with our eye on our wallet and an eye on our future. And one day, the sun rises, and we haven't got a dime, and we haven't got a future. But we have the answer. We have the answer as to why we made the journey. We do? Of course. But the laugh's on us, for though we finally get the answer, we haven't any time left with which to understand. Hey, hey, Tony. Joe, you sound drunk. I might add a shot or two with the customer here. Mr. Marino, back from a day in the fields of our Lord. We was just talking about you and how you weren't such a bad guy after all. It was a most interesting conversation. Oh, was it now? What exactly do you find so interesting about me? You're a cunning one, Anthony Marino. None of the so-called social graces to interfere with you and your wants. What you want, you take. What I get, I earn. Every penny of it, nobody never helped me. And when they do, I turn them down. A somewhat narrow policy. I myself would cease to exist if I were to adopt it. Well, that's you, Malloy. And I'm me. And I'm happy to say we ain't got much in common. Aye. And we're each the worse off for it. How do you figure? Your ambition, Anthony, is sullied by a lack of wisdom. My wisdom is fruitless due to a lack of ambition. We are precisely two halves of a whole. Alas, neither of us possess the half that graces the other. Huh. Well, I suppose that's worth a round on the house. Lest they already heard that one before. There you have me wrong. I am an honest man, Anthony. Buy me a drink and I'll recite you a verse, spin you a tale, tell your fortune. 
But it's not for the drink that I tell you the truth about yourself or about myself. You see, I have no illusion about myself. I left them somewhere long ago and haven't missed them a bit. A few hours later, as Michael Malloy slept off his first drunk of the day on the floor of Marino's bar, Harry Kreisberg drove up and parked in the alley behind the bar where he saw a peculiar sight. Hey, Tony, what are you doing? What's it look like I'm doing? I'm going through the trash. For what? Lunch. Uh, that's what I'm looking for. Box of tacks? Come on, into the kitchen. Hey, Tony, I was just going to whip up some bacon and eggs for us. Skip it. It's time to serve our guest. Sober him up so we can pour some more down his throat. Free lunch platter today. I thought you said no more free lunch. Don't argue. Just give me the platter. Grab some bread and a can of sardines. I think the sardines might be bad. Good. Now go get them. What's the deal, Tony? See these little nails? Put them in between two layers of fish, nice and neat, pointy ends facing different ways. Ah, think this will do the trick? Nope, that's where this stuff comes in. Rat poison? Shut up and bring in that pile of metal shavings. Where are they? In the alley where I keep all the delicacies. Hey, fellas, the front door was locked, so I come around the back. What's cooking? Hey, Frank, what do you use on a stiff before they go into the casket? Embalming fluid. Got any in your hearse? Think so. Why? Oh, get it. Oh, and if you got any antifreeze, bring it to What do we do with that stuff? Mix him his afternoon cocktail. What else? Here, Tony. I done found the sardines. Good, Murph. Now listen careful. Go in the other room, wake Malloy up, and entertain him for a while. And whatever you do, don't eat off the lunch tray. Why not? Don't ask questions. Just don't eat off the lunch tray. Okay, okay, Tony. Say, you really want new Joe Kennedy? Indeed. I'm the one who introduced him to the mayor's daughter. Ah... Rose, I would have taken her for myself if I only hadn't already joined the Women Haters Club. You know anyone else famous? Not really. Except then, of course, Mr. Roosevelt. The president? The former, Teddy. Speak softly and carry a big stick. I wrote that for him. Only it was the other way round, you see. He never spoke softly at all. Nor did he carry a stick of any size. Say, Malloy, would you like to be the first to try out my new special cocktail? I mixed it just for you. Thank you, lad, but I think a shot of whiskey will do. You sure? I'd rather you try one of my new concoctions. Thinking about bottling it and going into the home brewing business. Oh, you know. You're an enterprising one, Marino. Here's to our lives, short but merry. Hmm. Ah. Interesting. Fiery. We thought you'd like it. One another? Why not? Say, uh, aren't you getting a little hungry, Malloy? Tony here says he's laying out the free lunch tray today. Ah, you're very kind, but I myself don't eat. You gotta eat sometime. Go on, try one of these sandwiches. Fine aroma, but not for me. I had a whole plateful half an hour ago. Did wonders for my digestion. Well, I myself am blessed with a constitution made of cast iron. A gift from my beloved grandfather who lived to be 107 on a diet of potatoes, lard, and whiskey. Mmm, those sandwiches do look good at that. Perhaps one, but only if you boys will join me. No, no, no. no. Thanks, Eddie. Yeah. You sure? Mm, suit yourself. Mmm. Oh, not bad. Tuna fishy, you say? Yeah, with a special sauce, what I cooked up myself. Say, why don't we go upstairs and do some business while Malloy here has his lunch and another cocktail? Say, you want another shot of Tony's new drink? Uh, thank you. 
Uh, my, these are quite good. Rather grow on you. Mm. You must try one, Joseph. No, thanks. I don't eat off of the lunch tray. The boss don't like it. Mm. Tell me, doesn't he work you just a wee bit hard to deprive you of a bite of lunch? Well, you know. Or does he pay you so handsomely that you can afford to starve all day and have yourself a feast in the evening? He ain't paid me at all lately. Surely. One missing sandwich won't be noticed. I hate to see you stand there salivating while I eat the only food on the premises. Well, Tony does owe me for a whole two weeks of work. Let this sandwich be a way to work off the debt. Yeah, why not? Mm, hey, not bad. Uh, not bad at that. I told you. Mm, well worth it. Let's have another taste of Anthony's new concoction. Sure. Wash it down with a nice... Hey, what's wrong Say, Marino! Francis, come down. I Joseph seems to be in a bit of trouble. What the hell? What happened to him? Perhaps a stray bit of food went out the windpipe. Jesus, he ate off the lunch tray. Get him upstairs. There you go. He'll be all right, I think. Wonder how to mix, Farron. I think we just found out. Frank, see if he's still breathing. What if he is? And we wake him up and shove some more down his throat. Don't you think he's going to get wise? Or maybe he is already. Don't be stupid. All he cares about is me carrying his tab. Hey, Frank, what's the verdict? I've buried people with louder heartbeats. Harry, call the doctor. That was the end of episode two of Murdering Michael Malloy a four-part podcast adaptation of the original screenplay by the same name, written by Raymond DiFelida and David Zellerford, and recorded for season one of Screenplay Resurrection by Hangover Lounge. Murdering Michael Malloy stars the late Kevin Conway as Michael Malloy and Joseph DeVito as Anthony Marino. Robert Bruzio plays Murphy, Frank Whaley plays Kreisberg, Michael Rispoli plays Pasqua, Joe Perino plays Maglioni, and Gary Pastori plays Tiny Bastone. Other voices include Kyle Kessis, Chuck Montgomery, and Rachel McIntosh. I'm your narrator, Farron Neme. You can follow us on Instagram at Screenplay Resurrection and join our mailing list at ScreenplayResurrection.com. There you will find all the information you need to enter your own screenplay for consideration for an audio production on our podcast. Thanks for listening, and please come back for more.